This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 14. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Thank you very much, Zoe. So we are continuing this morning our series of frontline sermons, in which we look at what it means to be a whole life disciple of Jesus. Not someone who just comes to church on a Sunday and does a few things during the week, but someone who lives as a disciple seven days a week. We've thought about how when we come together, we represent the gathered church, the dots on the left up there. But when we go out to the various places that God sends us during the week, whether that's in our homes or with our friends or perhaps at work, we're still the church, but we're the scattered church. We've looked at the need, the calling to serve God wherever we are and whatever we do. And this week, we're looking at the calling to serve God whoever we are. And this is a necessary additional thing to look at. Because over these last couple of weeks, when you've heard about the need to serve God wherever you are and whatever you do, you might have been thinking, well, I'm not sure that's for me. It's all right for so-and-so over there. They're clever and witty and confident. (coughs) It's all right for them. It's okay for her. She's very confident. She's enthusiastic. She's outgoing. But I couldn't do it. I haven't got the skills for it. I haven't got the skills or the aptitude. Well, the message for you is that we are to be servants of Jesus wherever we are, whatever we do, and whoever we are. We're all, I'm sure, familiar, and I expect you can identify with a situation where where perhaps we have an opportunity to show God's love to someone on our front lines. Maybe... Maybe you're with friends, maybe you're at work, maybe you're just simply standing in the bus queue and you're about to say something or you're about to do something which will be a witness to someone, something that will speak God's love into their life. And just as you're about to do that, you hear a voice saying, who are you to get involved in this situation? Who do you think you are telling people how they should live and what they should do? What makes you think you've got a right to interfere in this situation? 
We might even look around to see where that voice is coming from. And yet, in our heart of hearts, we know that the voice isn't an external one, but it's an internal one. It's a voice in our own head. We're about to do something that's of value to God, something that will extend his kingdom. And there's that small, insistent voice which says, who do you think you are to be doing this? And the good news is that we have an answer to that question. The answer to the question, who do you think you are, is, I'm a child of God. I'm a son or daughter of the Most High, the King of Kings. And because of that close family connection, we've been appointed by God to be his ambassadors in the places where we find ourselves. And if we're an ambassador, then we're not only entitled, but we're actually required to stand up for the interests of the one who sent us. China has an ambassador to the UK, and if something happened here, or if the British government did something which affected China or the rights of Chinese citizens, we would expect the Chinese ambassador to have something to say about it. We might agree with him or disagree with him, but what we couldn't say is that he doesn't have a right to intervene. Similarly, we're to serve God as his disciples, whoever we are, because we're children of God and because we are his ambassadors in the world. As we've seen, it's, it's not only our right, but our obligation to do so. And that comes from our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's why the Lord's Prayer has been chosen as the reading for this morning, because it says so much about our relationship with God and what we can expect from Him as part of that relationship and what He expects of us. So let's take a closer look. Our Father in heaven. We have the privilege of calling God Father. It's easy to overlook the significance of this since this prayer is obviously so familiar to us. But the idea that we can call God Father is extraordinary. It's amazing. More than that, it's utterly jaw-dropping that you and I are sons and daughters of God himself. And as we know, his love for us is unconditional. If you think about the story of the prodigal son, after he'd squandered his share of the family assets, had to come groveling back to his father, did his father say, well, yes, all right, you can come back, but you'll have to earn your keep. You'll have to work in the fields, you'll have to scrub the floors, you'll have to do something to make up for what you've cost us. No, he threw a party. His welcome for his son was lavish, even extravagant. That's how much God loves us. That's what it means to be able to call God our Father. Hallowed be your name. The relationship that we have with God is not for the purpose of elevating us or making us seem more important. No, it's so that God himself will be glorified. That's the whole purpose for which we've been brought into a loving relationship with him. 
that through his children working to further his kingdom in the world, God himself will be honored so that at the feet of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now with this sermon series, there are some notes that are provided and the notes for this particular verse talk about it being a prayer for regime change. And I thought that was an odd phrase to use and I thought, well, the phrase uh, regime change is slightly controversial in a modern geopolitical context. Very often, countries that are dropping bombs on other countries say, well, of course, this was a very specific targeted strike. We had a very limited objective. We're not interested, they say, in regime change. Well, Jesus was interested in regime change, and so should we be. The Lord's Prayer asks God to establish his kingdom here on earth. And for the kingdom of God, <coughs> excuse me, for the kingdom of God to be established, earthly kingdoms need to make way. The final few weeks of Jesus' ministry, and in particular his death and resurrection, illustrate this perfectly. Jesus' final days had a political dimension and were all about regime change in a way that we're often slow to recognize. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you ask a Christian, why did Jesus die? The most likely answer you'll get is, he died to save us from our sins. And that's a perfectly correct answer, a perfectly sound answer. But if we look at the events of the first Easter through a different lens, it would be equally correct to say, Jesus died because he was a threat to the Jewish and the Roman authorities. His life and ministry was a challenge to them. They saw their respective kingdoms being undermined. If you think about over the Christmas period, we've thought about the fact that Herod attempted to get Jesus killed off because he didn't want a rival king to grow up. He didn't want there to be a figure around whom a rival source of power could gather. Similarly, the Jewish authorities and the Romans probably thought that they were eliminating the threat of Jesus by conspiring to bring about his death. But by doing so, albeit unwittingly, they were helping to bring about the very thing that they feared, namely the establishment of the kingdom of God. By conquering death and by the power of the resurrection, Jesus overthrows the kingdoms of this world and establishes the kingdom of God on earth once and for all. And it's the spread of that kingdom that we pray for when we say the Lord's Prayer and that we're working towards when we go out onto our front lines. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. Now no doubt the prayer is in particular talking about actual food, but it can probably be extended to cover all of our daily needs. 
as we serve God, wherever we are, whatever we do, we can expect God to provide what we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If we're going to serve God on our front lines, we need to be forgiven for the things that we've done in the past. If we, if we don't, we'll be less effective if we carry around with us a sense of guilt and a regret for past sins. It'll get in the way of our witness for him. Praying for forgiveness and being forgiven for our sins will ensure that we're more effective on our front line. Lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer for protection as we go out to serve God on our front lines. Wherever we serve God, whatever we do, whoever we are, we can be sure that there will be all kinds of temptations designed to distract us and prevent us from living as true disciples. Whether it's vanity, greed, indifference, fear, the list could go on and on. No wonder Jesus advised us to pray that we shouldn't be led into temptation. So we are to be disciples of Jesus wherever we are, whatever we do, and whoever we are. Confident that our Heavenly Father loves us and has chosen us for specific roles as his ambassadors in the many places that he puts us. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a problem with this, which is that I don't think I'm up to it. I don't think I can do it. At least, I can't do it in my own strength. In fact, I can't do it without two particular essential elements being in place. The first of those essential elements is the Spirit of God working within me. We pray, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we pray to our loving Heavenly Father that His name will be glorified, that His kingdom will come that our daily bread will be supplied, that our sins will be forgiven and that we'll be kept for temptation. And by his spirit, he answers those prayers, provides us with all that we need and walks alongside us as we face our front lines. Without that, I can't do it. Essential element number two is the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm very keen not to steal Mark's thunder because I know that Mark is going to be speaking next week um, about the ways in which we can encourage each other for those times when we are scattered into different places. But all I'll say at this point is that if we're going to serve God whoever we are, then when we meet together, it'll do no harm for us to remind each other of who we are children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High, ambassadors for his kingdom. Now, as with the other weeks that we've been doing this series, there's um, a bit of a handout, and this week it's, it's a card. Um, there's, a, uh, it, there's an image of it on the screen, which you may not be able to read from the back, but I'll read it in a moment. On one side of the card, there is simply a question, who are we? 
And on the front of the card, the bit that you can see on the screen is a list of some of the things that the Bible says about us once we are, once we've come to know Christ. We are sons and daughters. Image bearers, we, we are made in the image of God. We're heirs of his kingdom. First fruits of God's creation. Friends of Jesus. A blessing to others. Towards one another, we're brothers and sisters. We're citizens of heaven. Stewards of all that he's given us. Children of Abraham. Holy chosen people. Disciples. Believers. Servants. Saints. Followers of the way. Prophets. Priests. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We're ministers of a new covenant. We're witnesses. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're strangers and aliens, but we are ambassadors of the King. So when you're next on your front line, wherever that might be, remember who you are in Christ and allow that to influence how you live and work for him. So that above all, God might have the glory. Amen.